Yard is a great company. I've worked with them for like 20 plus years at, at PRI. We have Steve presenting here. Hello, guys. Excellent. I see Steve. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear us? And, um, I'm sorry about your loss this year with Richard. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so are we. It's 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 a it's a tough one. Definitely tough. But even though he's gone, his chair still stays at the head of the table. Perfect. Yes. Good. <laughs> Good, good, well, good. and same with us with John, you know, he stays in our video and he stays uh, in the spirit with us. And, uh, and so uh, we'll run a video after your uh, session and you'll see John Kiro is there as well. He's still part of, uh, of what we do and he's with us every day. <laughs> so Tony and Steve, you're in good hands with Joe. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks, Judy. Gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Judy. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Costello. Call me WFO Joe on Twitter and Instagram, and I spent a lot of time at the NHRA. And so these guys, the parts and pieces that they uh, work with on a regular basis is something that uh, is just uh, all over the place uh, where I am. If you have questions, we're going to ask you to use the chat section and uh, feel free to put something up there. I'm not going to be able to come up with every perfect question for these guys because there are so many different products that they make but I'm very excited about it. But Tony and Steve, let, let's talk about Big M because it was, a, you know, in the NHRA pit area, this man was loved championships with Jim Yates and the Coughlin family, the, the outpouring of just, uh, you know, sadness, let's call it what it was, was tremendous. And that's from people in the pit area. For you guys who worked on a regular basis, um, it must just be terrible. So I would like to talk a little bit about Richard and Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. So involved in the evolution of the parts and pieces, cylinder heads, blocks, manifolds that have enabled our sport to advance the way that it has, like without his forethinking, you know, maybe drag racing doesn't look like what it does. Cylinder heads on Kenny Bernstein's first 300 mile per hour run. And the list goes on and on, but ultimately you worked with him as a man, as a person, as a mentor. Tell us a little bit about Dick Maskin. Well, and, 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 and we can get into that, but we actually have a little video for, for everybody to show. Um, I think you guys have it all. Let's do it. Up here and...
name is Gordon Hahn. I'm the manufacturer manager here at Dart. I've uh, been here since I started with Dave in 1980. And I'm responsible for programming all the machines, the process. Right now I'm standing in front of our OP1 machine. It does all the qualifying for all of our blocks. Everything starts out here. We qualify the blocks, machining the ends, and prep them for the datum points for OP2. My name is Joe Solar. I'm the cylinder head production supervisor here at Dart Machinery. I've been here two years. Um, I come from an engine builder background. I own my own shop for 15 years and worked at some high-end uh, race engine shops here in the Detroit metro area. Um, one thing I like about working at Dart is uh, we get to work with uh, several different types of cylinder heads from Fords, Chevys, big blocks, uh, LSs, and we're constantly trying to develop those heads, make things better for our customers and for the race engine builder. Hi, I'm Scott. I've been working here at DART for 35 years. Uh, I'm the block supervisor in charge of everything that goes through the block department. Why I think DART stands out is consistency and how accurate our blocks are compared to what's out there on the market. But it's great to have it here in the United States. Uh, so everything's looking up. Jeff Lake. I work here at Dart Machinery. I've been going on 13 years now here in the SHP department. It's where we do a lot of block preps for our customers. What sets us apart from everybody else is we really know how to hone. Um, we've got an SP20, it's a CNC hone. We check all the bores with the profilometer and to reassure that we have the correct surface finish for today's ring technology. And ring seal is first and foremost in the performance of any engine that you put together. Hi, I'm Mark Mickey. Um, I'm the driver of Jason Carter 78 Malibu. We currently run the car in Pro 275. This car still holds the RVW mile an hour record, uh, 221 miles an hour. We utilize a big block Chevrolet, 540 cubic inches. We utilize a dark billet block. Really, the dark block changed our program around. It's a great product, the service, the durability of this thing is second to none. Um, we beat the crap out of it. You know, we run almost 90 pounds of boost in these motors. Amazing, amazing the performance world and some of those photographs, right? Like from the video of Bernstein going 300, 
uh, Mark Mickey, what he does in the eighth mile in such a heavy car, uh, just amazing, guys. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and um, it, you know, you touched on it a little bit about Richard and 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 how he, uh, you know, is a friend of of all the aftermarket, all the companies, all the racers. Uh, and, you know, not a lot of people knew Richard like Tony and I have. And and uh, there's a lot of people in the industry that have worked here, but. Um, Tony worked with with Richard um, in the um, in, in the pro stock division for for 15, 16 years. Yeah, since since '99, I worked with him in the engine room and uh, with development on not just the pro stock stuff, but the, the product we sell on a daily basis. And and it, it's just when when you grow up watching these guys race and and you grow up uh, listening to them, and then you grow up using their product, and then you come to work and, and you're face to face with the man every day. It's just, it's, it's definitely surreal, you know, and with his passing, it's took us all by surprise. It wasn't something that, you know, the, the sold out three years ago to, to race winning brands and then ended up passing away. Um, it, it's not something that, you know, you like, but get that it happens. I um, actually, and Tony and I were talking a little bit ago, uh, we got some stories um, uh, some really good stories on, on Richard and, and how he's helped the aftermarket. And the one thing that we both remembered, um, PRI, uh, when it was in Orlando, um, I want to say it was in 2006 or 2007, um, where we used to have to come down the escalators. Well, when we came down the escalator, the GM booth, the massive GM booth was right in front of us. And that's the year that GM actually had all their crate engines on display there. And, and Richard saw that and we were all kind of just, you know, walking around and he called us all over and we stood in the middle of their booth and listened to him talk about how these, these crate engines are really going to affect the performance aftermarket. And, and not only for us on the heads, blocks and manifolds, but also for the crankshaft companies, the piston companies, the, the, uh, um, the connecting rod, gasket companies, everything. So he said, at that point in time, that's the that's the day that the SHP block was born. He went after and he said, this is it. We're going to go after. We're going to continue. We're going to make a block. We're going to change it just so slightly so the oil pan manufacturers have a play in it. So that uh, the, the front covers uh, manufacturers have a play in it. Everybody's going to get a piece of this block. And that's what Richard did. He always kept all the performance aftermarket in mind when he came out with something new. He didn't want to just create something and have you turn to us and buy everything from us. He knew that, that we couldn't do it all, but he did know that if we came out with something that had a little bit of a tweak over the OE, then everybody gets a piece of that pie. Tremendous. No, a, a visionary. And um, I have no doubt that you guys are going to forge forward and continue to have great successes um, from here on out. And that's why we're here to talk, right? Like I know there's a lot of positive things in the pipeline that we're going to talk about, but now it's almost as if, and I want you to speak on this. And by the way, feel free to drop as many stories as you'd like. You know, we've got uh, we've got time here today. Um, you know, from back in the day or now, uh, lessons learned, especially. But uh, now I'm sure you're doing it with the idea of making him proud. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we will want to keep his legacy alive. Definitely. Well, I have a story from because I was always in the engine room with him. So my friendship with him was more on a technical basis. Um, he used to speak a lot about 
during the early 70s, um, when they he was racing AMCs, how they would cut a head in half and and add another head in the, on top of it and weld it all back together and all the, the problems it created, but the power it actually helped them make. And I think that's where he learned that he couldn't just think inside the box. He had to think outside of the box. And um, he, he even spoke of, you know, because they moved the port over and they had to make their own billet rocker arms when that nobody made that stuff back there. It's like, wow, today that's even a big venture. And they were doing this stuff in the early middle 70s. And that's where he got his drive. It's like, I, I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, like uh, hearing those stories and I, I spend a fair amount of time talking to engine builders and that's it. Like how to think outside the box and come up with the next something. But to do that in the 70s, right? To cut a cylinder head. Yeah. I don't even know how you would do that. <laughs> well, and they were cast iron on top of it. Yeah, they're right. right. Yeah. Cast they would brace them together and what a nightmare. Yeah. Well, thank goodness we have the technology that we do. Uh, not that I'm doing it, but for those that are. Um, so let's advance the conversation a little bit. But if, if anything triggers, if a, a story or something related, drop it in. People want to people want to talk about it. And, you know, great success with the uh, in pro stock over the years and really forcing the sport forward without someone doing what he did to give you the heart. You need the canvas to paint on. Right. It's mm -hmm. as simple as that. And without a great canvas, uh, these great engine builders wouldn't have been able to do what they have done. But let's talk about uh, the challenges that you guys have had over the past couple of years, like the world has had the pandemic and are everybody kind of figured, in my opinion, things wrong at the start of the pandemic. Like they thought, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to do anything. And that was totally wrong for the automotive enthusiasts. No, you're going to have time to do everything. And all of a sudden, everybody went into their garages and they opened up their hoods and they tackled projects that they never thought that they would have time to tackle. And parts flew off the shelves and people got busy. Is, was that reflected in uh, in your situation as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when, when, when the pandemic hit and we all got the stay-at-home order, um, we went from 104 employees in our building down to 30. And we, we were still running. We had a skeleton crew. And, and obviously, we did, did like every, everybody else in the industry. We, we cut POs, you know, backed off on POs. We backed off on employees. We backed off on trying to keep everybody safe inside the building. We didn't want anybody to get sick. We didn't want anybody to pass away. And, and, and that was our biggest concern. Um, uh, about a month into it, when the order started flowing in, and I mean, it was like somebody just turned on a water spigot, and, and it was crazy because we're, we're, you know, sitting there shrugging our shoulders, saying, "Where, why, how? This is this is crazy. This can't be happening," and it hasn't stopped since, and it it really has affected us as far as is trying to keep up with production, and we now we're getting employees back. We're we're still struggling just like everybody else in this industry outside supply chain. Uh, you know, they're having issues with employees and if they have issues with employees, it trickles down to us. And then unfortunately it trickles down to the racer and down to the end user and down to the engine builder warehouse, whoever. Um, but we're working, we, we actually have, have some plans in place and uh, we got some, uh, some good policies and that light that's at the end of the tunnel, we actually can see a light now. Before it was complete darkness. 
But that light that we can see, we know that it's the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming towards us. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting there. It's just been really, really challenging, challenging, really, really tough. Uh, um, you know, to, to dig out of this. But like you said, nobody saw the fact that, oh, I'm sitting at home, so I'm going to go out and work on my car. Right. Uh, that's, that's crazy. And, and yet it, uh, it is true, and we've seen it in, in so many different uh, areas of our motorsport community. Uh, but, it, 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 and, you know, it makes sense, right? Like when you step back and you think about it, if everyone's got to stay home, what are they going to do? The automotive enthusiast is going to use the time wisely. That's These are the doers and builders and makers, and they want to be hands-on. And why do they have that car anyway? And they attacked it, and that's great news. So what, what um, on that uh, thought process, you know, you guys are importing or supply chain, what? Raw materials? Like, Give us a, an idea of how you were able to overcome some of the challenges everybody wants. There's not a lot of people overseas to do, to create. Everybody's dealing with a pandemic situation. You worked some things out. Things are getting better. We know the ports are now open 24-7, and we hear from like retailers that they're getting stuff in, and, and now things are, are going uh, well. But in the middle of it, did you have to get creative to get the, the materials that you needed to uh, to build your parts? Um, well, on, on the import side of it, the um, we don't import anything. Any of our castings are, are all here domestically in, in the Midwest. Um, we had, uh, unfortunately, right after the pandemic um, ended in the stay at home, we everybody was going back to going able to go back to work. Our aluminum foundry down in Ohio that we've used for 25 years. Um, had a little accident where part of the roof of the building actually exploded and blew off. Um, and that was at the end of May. Um, and it was in a part of the building where the core room was located. So all the cores were built in that room. Um, so uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get any cylinder heads, any small block, big block, aluminum cylinder heads, or any of our big block or small block blocks out of that building for at least four months. Luckily, we had enough in-house to where we could manufacture and we can um, uh, you know, fill some of the orders, but that four months was, it was tough not having anything come in the door. Um, and we did get creative. We, we did take some of our tooling and um, shipped it off to a couple other foundries, um, but it's funny, tooling at one foundry doesn't work at another foundry. Uh, you know, it's all everybody has to have all their customized whatever. They're, 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 um, it's just crazy. Yeah, you know, you think about if you make a pizza, everybody can make the pizza the same way. No, not on the aluminum foundry side of it. Um, so we ran into some struggles, some issues there, but we actually got it all figured out. And, and uh, parts are, our castings are rolling in uh, the building now, and um, we should be in good shape. Unfortunately, it's just, the orders and the backlog and the, the racers and the builders and, and nothing has stopped. You know, nobody's taken a step back and said, you know what, I can wait. You know, it's, it's everybody wants their stuff and we, we're, we're working through it. You know, we'll get there. Wait. No waiting for racers. That's just the way it is. And, uh, but that's, that's the nature of the people. So it's interesting that it was more of a, just a, 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 a kind of a unique circumstance that slowed you guys down, but you're back up to speed now. And that's great. Um, but at the same time, you have to uh, advance your products as well. So I'm sure you've got some new products that you're putting out there. Uh, how has that been balancing 
the backlog and also working on advancing your technology and, and what kind of uh, new products are you pushing out there? Well, and then I'll turn that over to Tony here um, in a second. He can tell you on some of the stuff that we're working on. Uh, but to, to, uh, to, uh, on the new products, typically on a normal, non-COVID, non-whatever, let's just go back to 2017, 2018, to come out and develop a new product from start to finish, it's typically anywhere from uh, you know six months to about a year and a half, depending on what the product is. From again, from start to finish, with with everything that's going on currently, again with supply chain and and employees and and engineering and and everything in the world, uh, we're pushing products out now as far as due dates, a year and a half to two years. That's how long it's taken us to. Um, to work on some of this. And, and one of the things that we can show you here, we actually have a little PowerPoint presentation on, on our new Hemi um, 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 Gen 3 block. Um, that block actually was introduced in, in the thought process. And this was the last project that Richard worked on um, uh, two years ago. And it, it will be introduced here shortly. And we are gonna have production, hopefully after the first of the year. But I'll let Tony talk about some of the stuff that he's actually worked on here. Well, as you were saying, you know, during the actual COVID deal, um, there was a point in time when I was one of the first ones to come back to the shop and uh, another employee. And we were just the two of us running production cylinder heads. You know, so it was just two people trying to kick out as many heads as we could on, on a daily basis. You know, and then they started bringing more and more and more employees back back to work. And that let me start to spend a little more time on doing some development stuff because there was some stuff that I had started before the whole shutdown began. And I started to be able to spend more and more time to, to get back into it. You know, and now it's looking more like I'm heading towards what's going to be the old normal for spending a lot of time on, on doing some stuff. But we've, we've got three or four things out or coming up that actually are quite impressive. You know, I've done a a new LS7 port because everybody's always, you know, the, the drag racers wanted something that was a little bit better than what we already made because the the 380 port we had was or was more or the 280 port. I'm sorry, was more of a street or a circle track type cylinder head. You know, when a high lift head, it was meant for less than 800 lift. And the drag racers were like, ah, we need something that flows more air at the, at the higher lifts. So I actually spent some time and finished up a 305 cc port. With a 2250 intake valve in it, um, you know, a 55 degree seat, something for that 850, 900, 950 lift group of guys, drag race stuff. Um, been spinning, uh, we worked on the, L, the LS 10 degree piece a little bit. Um, we're coming up with a smaller intake port on that one, uh, more suited for the street guy. So we're going from race back to street on that product because uh, the, the current brace piece is, is a little too much for the street. It's more oriented towards, you know, the 900 one-inch lift area. So we need to tame it down and get the, the cross-sectional shrunk back up on it. Um, something else that I, I just started working on uh, about six months ago, uh, you're all familiar with the Big Chief 2. I'm coming up with a, a Big Chief 3. It will still be a spread port head, um, but it's going to be available in billet and cast, billet initially. Um, I've been able to move the, the, the valves around and put bigger valves in it, 2250 inch 750s, or inch 875s, I'm sorry. And um, I thought outside the box a little bit on this one, because um, we always had the, 
you know, the dart X lifter pattern for the block for that cylinder head. And it straightened out the push rods, but we still had to use a Z rocker. And I always hated the Z rocker because I remember a day on the dyno and pro stock when we actually discovered, you know, we, we made a rocker bar that got rid of the Z rocker and actually put a straight rocker on it at an angle. And I remember the power gains we made doing that. It's like, well, why don't, if we're going to do this big chief three thing, why don't we do this too? So I, I actually did make a rocker bar to get straight rockers on it and move the, uh, left the, the dart X lifter pattern. But now we got the straight rockers, the straight push rods, and I moved the push rods away from the port to get more room to do more with the port. So once again, trying to think like Richard outside of the box and come up with a, with a better piece. And I'm working with an exhaust port on that particular head that's more oriented towards the, the power adder classes, you know, especially like the Outlaw 632s and stuff like that, where we're, we're I've done some work with some of the other engine builders and we've got a pretty good clue what these exhaust ports want to do with the power adder cars. Um, so I actually went the next step further with, with this one and it's it really a show some huge gains, huge. So quite happy with that. Um, in the meantime, we've we've done a um, an LS1 six bolt pattern cylinder head. Um, so a lot of guys have been asking for that because I guess like the street power adder guys like that that LS1 platform. So we've we've actually come up the cylinder head. There's actually one right behind me right here. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that we've actually been able to do during COVID. And since, you know, till now, the big chief three thing is not complete yet, but it's getting very close. It's in engineering at this point. Excellent. Excellent. I want to remind everybody out there, if you've got a question for Steve or Tony uh, about, uh, you know, this business dart, their future, what they've done, certain parts, pieces, why they don't know Pontiac stuff. Just kidding, guys. Uh, <laughs> put your question in the chat section. Uh, up there. I, I joke around, I'm a Pontiac guy. And for so many years, like there was nothing available, right? And uh, we would look longingly at like dart blocks and, uh, you know, think, oh my gosh, you Chevy guys have everything, right? Uh, but but now some people have actually gotten involved in that. So I was just kidding around. But folks, yeah, definitely uh, put your questions in the chat section. Guys, what did you want to do with that PowerPoint? Did you want to do well, a, a real quick story before we get to the PowerPoint here? But Tony just reminded me, um, uh, this is a masking story. So I, it just it popped into my head. Perfect. Um, Tony, Tony was talking about that straight rocker bar that, that he was doing on the Big Chief 2 head. Um, uh, uh, this has got to go back 10 years ago now. Um, Richard uh, was building engines for a pro stock team. And um, one day I, I walked into the, into the shop and Richard and Bob Glidden was the crew chief of the, of the team. But Richard and Bob Glidden were standing there um, uh, looking at the, the rocker bar, looking at the geometry of the valve train, the whole thing. First of all, I'm taken back by Bob Glidden, right? You know, it's like, well, this is Bob Glidden standing in, in Dart, and then there's Richard Maskin standing next to him, and these two powerhouses are, you know, putting their heads together trying to figure out this valve train. Well, it, it, and I don't know if anybody out there knows, but Bob Glidden is, is a fond, he, he loves parrots. And I'm not talking the little tiny, you know, parakeets. These are big, giant macaw-type parrots, and he used to bring them to the plant. And uh, the, the day I walked out there, um, I walked over, and, and again, I'm, you know, my jaws dropped when Bob and, and Richard are talking. And then I overheard one of the guys, the team members, 
asking what happened to the lug nuts off of the car. You know, where are the lug nuts? I can't, but I put them right here. Where are the lug nuts? And so everybody's looking around. Well, next thing you know, this parrot is like walking across the floor and we all stand there and we're watching this parrot walk and it picked up another lug nut and it carried it back to where he squirreled all the other ones away. And so Richard turned to Bob and said, hey, listen, you got to do something with that parrot. So he picked it up and the parrot talked. It talked and it sang and it was all, all this weird stuff. And he put it in our conference room. Well, our conference room was right outside of all of the phone room. And so now we have the door closed, but now this parrot's in there talking and singing like loud. It was like Adele in there singing. It was crazy. So I'm like, we, and it was disturbing our phones. So I had to go back and I walked outside and I said, hey, um, Maskin, um, the parrot's in there singing in the conference room. And, you know, and, and Richard really didn't have facial expressions. But he just said, you know, we'd always say, all right, I'll take care of it. So he walked over to Bob. Bob went and got the parrot, and he ended up putting it in Richard's office, which is in the front of the building, shut the door. Well, by the time Richard and everybody got done, um, walked in his office, this, this parrot, it, again, it was in there singing and talking and doing everything. But it ended up pooping all over Maskin's desk. And <laughs> he opened the door. Uh, you know, it was it was one of those things. It, it, there was a lot of expletives that were being said, and <laughs> it was just kind of funny because you know we heard them walk in there and, and say all this stuff, and we're like, oh no, that yeah, you know, we're going to see feathers just come poof right out the door, you know. But there, there's another one that just that just popped in. But this powerful. Go, well, go for, for those for those of you out there who signed up for Industry Week on EPAR Trade, I know you expected a lot of great information, but I highly doubt you expected a story about Dick Maskin, Bob Glidden, and a parrot. Right. That's what you get <laughs> when you sign up to these kind of things. All right, Steve, go ahead. Uh, what we have, um, actually, this PowerPoint presentation, it's on a, the, the new Gen 3 Hemi block that, um, that we're going to, it's actually going to be at the show next week. Um, but well, we just wanted to talk a little bit uh, on some of the changes that we've done and, and some of the things that we've, uh, again, Richard worked on this program. Um, this was the last pro um, project that he worked on before he actually went and, and officially retired. Um, and, and just like the, it, this is a, um, I guess a solid drawing of, the, of what the block looks like and some of the things. So let me see if I can do this without screwing it up. So we'll go here. Um, I think it's this one here. And let's see here. Here we go. Oops. We're on slide eight of eight. Yeah, I see how I got a, let's, uh, let's see. How do I go back? There you go. All right, all right, here we go. All right, so you can see this, right? Yes. Perfect, all right, sorry about that. Oh, um, that's so fine. Basically, this, this is our new Hemi block right here. It's the, the Gen 3 platform. Um, it, it's kind of hard to see on that because that's kind of like a blueprint drawing on the block on the, on the right-hand side. But just to give you an update on some of the things that we're doing with this block, it is a cast iron block. Um, it, it does weigh 235 pounds. It's a heavy monster. Um, but what we've done on this block is we've actually um, taken no different than all the other blocks that, that we've done forever. Uh, we've taken it and we've made upgrades to it and we've made some slight tweaks and changes again keeping the aftermarket uh, involved so they can continue to, to 
um, you know, come out with new products also. Um, and the, the blue lines that you see there, that's actually the oiling system in the block. Uh, on a standard uh, uh, Hemi block that's uh, this platform, that main oil gallery hole that you see that's going up at an angle, that actually comes straight over from the oil filter and from the oil pump um, right above the main cap. So what we did is we actually angled that thing up and got the main oil gallery hole down from up where the crankshaft is, moved it up to where uh, again, it's above the crank and it's it's close to where all of the other oil gallery holes are as far as the lifter valley or the lifter oil gallery holes. Um, and this allows you to put a, a bigger stroke in the crank. So you can actually put a 4100 stroke in these blocks. Um, and uh, again, we turned it into a priority main oiling system. So it oils all the mains first. Hemi's worked a little different. They, they don't go up to the cam and then up to the push rods and oil the uh, and, you know, the lifters and then they actually kind of work backwards where it, it runs up and then it runs down the push rods into the lifters. Um, so but this block, you can actually oil it either way. So if you want to do a traditional oiling like a like it's standard heavy that actually goes up through the cylinder heads, it'll go up through the uh, into the push rods down the push rods into the lifters. Or you can go the opposite to where it actually goes up through the, the lifters up through the push rods and, and then oils the rockers. We've also extended the cylinder barrels on these blocks. Uh, we moved them down farther into the blocks, 375 thousandths or three eighths of an inch. And what this does, again, when you put a bigger stroke in the, in the engine, that way it gives you more piston support. So, so now you got another three eighths of an inch where that piston is not going to come hanging out the back of the, or the bottom of the block. Um, we've increased the deck thickness and made blind head bolt holes. No, none of the head bolt holes actually go into water. And the reason we did all this, again, it makes the deck, um, the block uh, more rigid. So, uh, you know, you heard that guy uh, on that video where he's putting 90 pounds of boost into that billet block. Obviously, 90 pounds of boost in this isn't going to work too well, but it allows you to put some kind of boost or some kind of power additor to this block. The other cool thing is, is that it is Siamese bore. Um, so you can actually, with the bore spacing of the, of the Gen 3 Hemi, you can actually take that bore up to four inch, 250 thousandths, and still have 200,000 cylinder wall thickness um, uh, between the bores and um, from the bore to the, to, um, to the water. So it's pretty cool, pretty badass. Um, the other thing that we've done is we, we put um, billet steel main caps on all the, all the mains. Um, there's no side bolting. There, it's, it's not, we, we took our LS concept and we developed, developed it into the semi concept. Um, we are using ARP main studs. Um, this block actually can take, um, I like uh, our LS block, you can put the standard stroke, which is 2570, um, uh, or not stroke, um, journal size. Um, you can also do on the LS block, you can do a, um, a 2750, which is the Ford size. This block can also do the same thing. Again, if, if we didn't take that into consideration, yeah, you'd be selling a bunch of Hemi cranks, but now there's an opportunity to make a Hemi style crankshaft with a 2750 journal size. Yeah, Cleveland Ford. Uh, Cleveland Ford, there you go. Um, let's see what else. It, it does have the option for VVT or non-VVT, depending on on, on uh, how the engine builder um, orders it. The, the lifter bore sizes in, in um, this block, they do come standard at 842. 
um, but it does have the capability of uh, putting a 937 lifter bore in it. You can actually even bush it. And I think Jessel has a, a set of or lifters out there that are key weight that you could put a, a 937 key weight bushing um, lifter into this block. Um, the other, the last thing that we did, which Richard always kept in mind is uh, to keep engines happy. You, you do have to keep them cool. Um, so what we did is we increased the, the water jacket volume in the block. On the outside of this block and all of our blocks, you can see they're kind of scalloped where you can see the cylinder bore. Well, the reason we do that is again, it allows up to about 30% more cooling in the block um, than what we had in the past. So this, and, and there's a couple other things that, that we've changed um, on, on the block, but the majority of the stuff that we're showing you here is, uh, that's what Richard has always pushed on us is, is to make, make this thing, yeah, again, you tweak it, you change it just a little bit to, to help everybody else, but we're gonna make it a lot stronger and a lot better than what the OE is. Not saying that the OE is bad, but this is just a, a, again, it's an aftermarket performance part. That's that, it. That makes sense. No, it, well, you know, back to the painting and the canvas, engine builders, they want to be creative. They want to try things. They want to be able to expand. And it seems like you have given them that, right? You've given them the, the freedom to think there's that outside the box once again with the stroke and the bore and, and giving them options. Right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we, we have to keep all that into consideration. And, and the majority of the people that are here at DART, we're all racers. You know, if it's from drag racing to circle racing to boat racing to, to, to you know, the midgets or anything, we, we there's a lot of racers in this building and, and, and Tony being one of them, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that yeah, we are geared towards the drag racing side of, of the business because, that, again, that's what Richard was involved in. But we also take into consideration everybody else. You know, we, I, I mean, I'm on the phone all day, every day, talking to engine builders and asking different questions of, hey, what could we do to make this part? What would you like to see on this part? Some of it's easy to do. Some of it does cost money. And we're probably not going to do it if, it, if it's way outside the, the realm. But, uh, you know, we, we, we like to think outside the box. You know, yeah. we're, we're not, you know, we don't like being held down. What, what, let's let's expand a little bit on the engine builders. Like, what are you hearing from your customers and your clients? Uh, you know, what what they they're happy with, and uh, you know, what do they ask of you? And uh, you know, the reputation of the company is um, you know so sterling that, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, the products are uh, bar none. But what do they ask you for? What are some of the things that you're hearing from engine builders? Both what's going on now. And for the future, like what are things that uh, you think are on the horizon based on what you're hearing? Well, well go ahead, yeah. Well, like I was saying earlier, that LSM, that 305 port, that actually was based off the telephone conversations. Like, you know, I was talking to a couple of engine builders and they're, you know, they're wanting to build these drag race LS engines. It's like, well, you want to try one of our heads? And they're like, nah, don't move any air upstairs. It's like, do you want me to make you something that, that does? Yeah, you make me something that flow, flows air upstairs and we'll buy it. So that, that's kind of where it came from, is listening to the customer what they wanted to do. And, and, and engine builders, what on my side of, of, of the, the, the business, um, obviously in, in today's world, you know, it's when am I going to get my parts? You know, I place this order, when am I going to get it? And, and our lead times, unfortunately, with 
again, outside suppliers, outside um, uh, vendors, um, it's it's tough. It, it's tough to really predict that. And, uh, you know, everybody is is working hard to to get answers and and not just answers, but good ETAs, good lead times from from our suppliers. And it's making it tough on us. But uh, you know, everything that you see sitting on this table and actually in that billet block in the back corner there, that was all based on us talking to engine builders. That, that billet block in the corner, that's a 5-3 bore space block that, that we've made uh, a couple hundred of them uh, in, in the last 10 years for, for different engine builders. And every single one of them is different. The head bolt pattern is different. The lifter bore pattern is different. The, the, the cam height is different. Everything is different from every engine builder that's out there. Yeah, the liners are even different from, from engine builder to engine builder. It's, it's completely different. It's their box, not ours. Yeah, yeah we're, just, we're just making the, 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 you know, the shiny parts in it. But you give them the options, though. And that's yes. what yeah, they all have their own spin that they want to try, things they want to do. Uh, things that they believe work for them based on 10 other things that they know that I don't know what it is. And you guys accommodate that. Correct. 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 We do it for, for a lot of engine builders that are out there that um, we're, we're, our production blocks nowadays are, are actually our upgrades. I would say it's about 85% of our, our business, uh, you know, and that can be a cam bore upgrade, a lifter bore upgrade. Um, uh, yeah, I know again, moving, moving head bolt holes on the, on the cylinder head side of it. We do, couple different tweaks. We got private label heads that we do for some big name engine builders out there, big name racers that that are just for them that that we do here internally. And again, this is all based on on uh, you know Richard and the quality and everything that he you know basically beat up beat into us yeah, beat over the years. You know, and, and we got to get it right the first time. Exactly, exactly. So let's uh, let's put an action step to this for the folks out there. And I'm kind of interested because you guys have done uh, such a great job with marketing. Like this is one of the major brands that people think of when you think, you know, blocks and cylinder heads, uh, fact, right? But, uh, you know, where what are some markets that you're maybe reaching out to? And I'd like to make sure everybody knows the website and contact information. If they're an engine builder that wants to source some uh, parts, from you guys or someone with a question about maybe a different design that they've been working on uh, that is outside the realm of what we've discussed. Uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you guys and find out more information about DART? Uh, well, the best thing to do is jump on our website. It's, it's, it's real easy. It's dartheads.com. Um, uh, in the contact um, section of the, of the website, there actually is an email um, and it's contact at dartheads.com. I get all the incoming emails. Um, so if they have any questions or, or any concerns, they can they, you know, send it there and reach out to us. Um, and, and it's funny because we do get a lot of, of, of new inquiries uh, weekly on, hey, you guys should look at this and look at that. Well, you know, even We might not answer that email, but we do take every single email, we do take every single inquiry and we, we put it on the table and we look at it. And, you know, now it's a little different. Um, and, you know, with, with Dart being sold and, and Richard would look at it and say, yeah, we're not doing that. Now we look at it, we take it into consideration. We do market research on that, that product. Um, and, and a couple of markets that we're actually getting into, um, for us, it, it's, it's out of our norm. We're actually looking at doing some sport compact um, blocks and cylinder heads. 
and and the sport compact world uh, that's uh, again i've never I, I i drive a volkswagen i don't know what they do performance wise um but we we have some really cool things where it, these guys are talking to us and telling us that you know these little four cylinder little six cylinder engines are putting out you know 1500 1600 horsepower it's like this is it blows our mind you know it's like no that engine in the back corner there, that puts out 1500 horsepower, not a four cylinder. You know, so that is actually coming out and we're working on some really cool projects on that and, and hope to have some stuff on that that we can talk about in mid next year. Excellent. No, and, and you know what, uh, to me, that's what's intriguing um, that there's just been such a, uh, you know, a re revolution in performance that is not limited to any one uh, you know, brand or one style of engine. It's just like everything has gone rapid fire. I've seen crazy things like that 2JZ engine by Toyota. Like, oh my gosh, crazy, crazy stuff is happening. And how, how are they making so much power? But in the end, they're limited. Like they, they run into the limitations that Richard ran into years ago. Like the, the OE stuff can only be so good because they're pumping it out for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and an engineering shop like you guys can figure things out and make it better, make it more powerful, make it more rigid so that the people who really want to lean on it can do so. Yes. Yeah, and we have. And, and uh, you know, the domestic market, uh, the OE domestic market, they've actually, uh, and, you know, looked at, and I, I like to say they looked at Dart and said, you know what, we're going to make it to more difficult for them to get into our, our backyard. And some of the products that they came out with, you know, GM, Ford and Chrysler, it's pretty good, right out of the box. It's pretty damn good. But there's also guys like Tony that could sit there and say, yeah, it's good, but let's make these changes here. Let's do this. And, and, and again, that's what, what Richard has always taught us to, yeah, don't look at it and see, you can say, yeah, it's great, but there's always room for improvement. Yeah, how much better can it be? Let's find out. Yeah, it was always a thought. Let's find out. See, and that's great, Tony. Like, uh, and that obviously comes from your background in pro stock, where you guys are fighting the fight on a weekly basis and looking for a half a horsepower or something like that. To to there's not there's never going to be a product that's good enough for that kind of mentality. Never, never. I'm sure to this day it's still never good enough. <laughs> Amazing. So where's this, uh, where, where do you think it's going guys? Like, I'd like you to look forward a little bit, you know, we already mentioned some, some future products, but are we at the pinnacle of performance? Um, you know, we talked to LS obviously, uh, you know, Ford and Chrysler, you just showed us the new Hemi. Uh, everybody's got their performance stuff out there. And, uh, you know, the average streetcar is way faster than anyone could have imagined. Um, you know, where's it going? What's next? Uh, we got a, we got a lot of stuff on the on the board in the back. Um, uh, for us, um, uh, on the cylinder head side of it, we do uh, have some upgrades and some improvements on our existing products yeah. um, that we're going to be doing. Um, and that's that's first and foremost. Some of our our chambers and our our, our programs on the heads just need to be updated. So you are going to see some running changes, and and we will introduce some. Uh, when we make, you know, everything is all based on airflow out there um, and, and airflow is great. Uh, but Tony and, and actually Dart were one of the first um, manufacturers to have a wet flow bench 
Um, and, and Tony, actually, and, and speaking of the wet flow, you know, you should touch a little bit on that because it's it's pretty interesting. The wet flow bench compared to a dry flow bench. And, and we do know that we have competition out there. There's a lot of cylinder head companies out there, but there's two that have this wet flow bench that's still in production and still being used today. So, yeah, Tony, de definitely go into that, Tony, but I'm giving, I'm stalling for you, for Steve, Steve, you got, before we part ways, which we're almost time, we do have one question, sure. uh, but we're going to have, we got to get one more uh, big M story from you. So rack your brain, <laughs> this question. Okay. Well, the wet flow bench thing, I'll tell you, that was a learning curve that took forever to learn anything about. Um, and it actually, once again, it stemmed from a pro stock thing. Um, I was working on uh, some of the first symmetrical port stuff that we were doing, the DRCE2 stuff that we were coming finishing up on. And I had worked on some ports that on the dry bench were just killer. And I was cheating, and I knew I was doing it. I was cheating the short term. But I, I could get it to hang on just to the lift on the dry bench. And I thought, wow, this thing is going to be, be huge on the dyno. He's going to be so happy about this. We put it on the motor, ran on a dyno. The thing's down 40 horsepower. And I remember him looking at me, and <laughs> I won't even say what he used to say. But, and he's like, well, we need to learn from this. Because the dry bench is telling you it's a better head. They're, they're, uh, he knew somebody at Roush. He says, take it down to Roush. They've got this, this, it's, it was an old World War II carburetor machine is what it was. And they had adapted it to be able to flow uh, cylinder heads with fuel imports. So I went down there, got to know them guys really well. And um, they taught me how to run the machine. And as soon as I put fuel in that airstream from the baseline that we were running, oh man, it stood out like a sore thumb. I said, why would you ever bolt this thing to a motor? So he got on the phone uh, with Joe Mandel, Mandelo, and he was custom making flow benches. And Joe says, yeah, we'll, we'll custom make you a bench. What do you want? And he, uh, the guy that actually built it for him was Lloyd, I believe his name. Um, he called me on the phone and said, what would you like? It's like, well, I want something that'll flow 55 inches of depression. I want something that'll actually give me the correct air fuel ratio. I want to be able to measure the pounds per hour of fuel and at the same time, tell me what CFM is. He says, no problem. So when machine showed up, 